Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to another episode of the Almighty Podcast. Yes, another interesting episode where we will be breaking down My Hero Academia Vigilantes. We are covering chapters 96 and 97 tonight. But before we get started, if you really enjoy this episode, don't forget, leave us an iTunes review. It helps get things out there. It helps spread the love of AMP. And check out our other show, Kyo Cinema. We've been covering Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z movies for quite a while now, and we're having a blast. I know the folks listening to it are having a blast. So if you need another Monday podcast to listen to there's one right there for you that's right we just finished our coverage of lord slug and so next monday as you're hearing this at least if you listen to it on its release date we are going to pick it up with revenge of cooler we're meeting yeah. more of frieza's family i love it i love it well, what do you say we talk about uh some my hero academia tonight we could do that um so my hero academia vigilantes episode or chapter 96 is entitled negotiations yeah, and we pick up basically uh, where we've kind of left off. Like, we've got a bunch of Pop's friends showing up. They're wanting to find out more information about her and determine, you know, what's going on with Pop. Like, they don't really know. No one's really telling them. And in fact, we even see more of her friends show up. I believe that we've got all of the people from the uh, Nar- not Naruhata Fest. Um, and yep. I couldn't tell in this first panel on the bottom right, that almost looks like... It's supposed to be, um, oh, what's her name? Mikado. The, Mikado, but I'm not sure if it is. No, I think that that is the uh, the leader of the band and the leader of the step team, the dance gotcha. team. Gotcha, yeah. The ones that, well, you know, when they, they were having their romance and they were all drawn all differently oh, during yeah, the uh, manga Oh, yeah, that's who's with her. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense, yeah. Well, they, they've all shown up over at the Hana Brothers, like, little cat cafe, and, uh, you know, it sounds like they're all there to find out what what is up with Pop. Yeah, it's weird, though, because the, the leader of the dance team or the step team says that she was told to inquire about Pop here. Who do you think has been sending these kids to the Hana Brothers to get information about Pop? I kind of assumed it was Soga. I mean, if they're showing up at the hospital to check on her, it's either going to be Midnight or Soga sending them away. Yeah, I thought, well, I don't, I thought maybe Midnight. I think they have closer ties to Midnight than they do to Soga, right? I would think so. But if they're showing up asking for Pop, and I mean, I would think that Soga and his buddies like Rapt and uh, what is his other name? Morio? Moru? Moru? Moro, yeah. Moru, something like that. I would think that they would know about pop and the naruhata fest and all those folks so it makes sense that they may be redirecting them elsewhere because it could be a huge security concern if all the people that pop knows is showing up at this hospital that's going to tip people off left and right if someone's trying to get her yeah i mean it does say like in the on the very next page um when you're seeing the hotta brothers and the cats at their cafe and then you have um uh ikajiro and kamayan in there as well that it does say according to midnight but i i think that's the hotter brothers catching them up on what they know from midnight and so that's it feels what i was like, thinking yeah but like then that makes midnight this weird like or the hotter brothers this weird middleman like why would midnight tell these kids to go to the hotter brothers so that they could tell the the band and the dance team and all these people, what Midnight told them. <laughs> Potentially to let Pop rest. I mean, I know that's a thing. When people are really sick, they don't want a whole lot of visitors just because it could stress the body out. So if they're not letting people into the hospital at all, it makes sense to redirect them elsewhere, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. It's just I, I couldn't, I wasn't very confident on who it is that would have been filtering all these folks this way, unless, yeah, I, I just really don't know. But the Hotta Brothers do share that Pop's not been getting worse but he's also not been getting any better. 
um, and that uh, Koichi is doing all that he can. Uh, but they call you know, him the he's crawler. Just like, <laughs> yeah, of course they do. Um, <laughs> but his final word on it basically is like, listen, if there's an update, then you know we'll we'll catch you up. But otherwise, you guys need to get back to your lives. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, they pretty much are like, OK, well, you know, we don't want to intrude on your business. Let's all call it a day. And uh, the Hada brothers offer to give them a bite to eat. They say that it's on the house this time around. And, you know, they they talk about how they hope that things start to settle down in the town. And we do get a quick shot here of basically construction work going on. I mean, it, they right. are having to repair from this huge event that's taken place. Uh, and they're explaining that because of all of that, it's been bad for business. Like they've even thought about closing up shop just for a little while. Yeah, and one of the Hotter brothers decides that it's just time. Like he's he's reframing it as a time for them to rebuild. Um and but he's also optimistically thinking that all of this quote unquote mess is over, but uh Kamayan's not so sure. Right. Uh, well we switch over to see Koichi sitting up on top of his like hideout. It's right across from the hospital, and he's explaining that he now is carrying two phones. He's got his his old phone that he turns on once daily just to kind of get updates, I suppose. And when he turns it on, he's got a bunch of missed messages and missed calls from his mom. But he also had a few texts from his dad where they talked briefly, kind of before he went undercover. Just said, "Hey, you know things are okay, all good. We'll talk once things are calmed down. Take care of mom." Dad seems to acknowledge that. Uh, but he's also got a second phone that Soga's given him in order to get in touch with him if he needs to. And our good buddy Rapt, one of my favorite guys, shows up. He's He's got Koichi some food and a change of clothes, some of the stuff that I'm sure he's been taking care of him with. And it's pretty awesome because at first he's going to toss stuff over to Koichi, but Koichi's like, no, nah, I'll be right over there. And he just, he does. He hops right across this this huge gap in between these buildings. And even Rapt is like, wow, man, you're just kind of flying all over the place, aren't you? And we get to see, it's kind of alluding to what we're about to be treated with, that, I mean, Koichi's gotten a lot better at using his quirk. Yeah, I would say that this is the first of several instances in these two episodes where we're shown, rather than told, that Koichi has really fine-tuned Slide and Glide and, and found all of these other kind of applications for it. And we've been party to a lot of these, you know, like it started where he could just slide across on the ground and then he could cling to surfaces and then he could do a double jump in the air and then he could shoot things from his hands. Not all those things in that exact order, but um, he's really discovered a lot of nuances and flexibility uh, to this quirk. And he's put a lot of thought into it. He's not just like, oh, that's a cool thing. He's he's figured out new ways to apply them. Uh, and then has made him uh, much more effective at doing the very things that he has set out to do. Yeah. And uh, he, he's catching up with Rap. He asks how things are going, and Rap says that he's pretty much over it. Like, And it's funny, because Rap definitely strikes me as the laziest of the group. Like, He gets bored easily, doesn't want to you know, do anything a little monotonous, but he says he's got to keep it together, because otherwise Sogo would be all over him about it. Uh, and, and Koichi asks, like, well, hey, I didn't see Sogo down there. Where is he at? And he explains that he is actually over at Koichi's place uh, because there had been a break in and he wanted to check it out. Yeah. And then, of course, Koichi reacts reasonably to this, which is freaking out about there being a break in. And Rapt has this. He's reminded, oh, yeah, uh, Soga said it'll be a distraction for Koichi. So don't tell him that. That's what Soga yeah. said. <laughs> um, so he's a little absent minded uh, during this conversation. But Koichi also gets to this point where he's like, well, you know, I don't know that I have to worry all that much anyway, because it's not like I got anything worth stealing. Uh, and we catch up to Soga, who is investigating the uh, rooftop storage container. 
and he's he's being very detective-y in this particular scene. So he's he's aware of uh, some property buying and selling and some plans to redevelop. Um, he also knows that uh, you know it's this is a largely abandoned place, so it's not really the average target for an average thief. And that he notices very little damage was done to get in. Uh, so the TV is still there, so it's not like the the place was ransacked it was that something specific must have been taken he's he's scooby doing the hell out of this thing yeah um and he also notices that there was a door it looks like down a floor or two in this building so not in koichi's place he's left there he's descending down back through the building and he sees that there was a door that had been opened recently because he sees some dust displaced and he finds a mysterious package in there yeah, I had a thought about this. How funny would it be if Koichi actually owned this entire building and didn't know it? Didn't know it or didn't tell anybody that he knew, that he owned the whole building? Well, that's a good point. I would just think that if he owned the whole building, he would use one of these rooms instead of the random like trailer up on top. Uh, but it just it cracks me up because I don't think we've ever seen the inside of the building that his little trailer sits on top of. We've been in the stairwells before because Koichi and Pop had an encounter on the stairs once. Um, but I think that that's mostly it. We don't get yeah. a lot of shots of them like traveling up and down to and from his uh, his little rooftop apartment place. I but... guess I always kind of figured that they just jumped up there like they don't neither of them need to use the stairs to get up to his place. That's true. But like not everybody that they have had up there can do what they do. That's true. I'm curious, What do you have any inclination on what you think it is that Soga found? Because we immediately transfer over to the next page, and Soga's right back at the hospital. You know, I wasn't even entirely sure that Soga saw what it was. I was going to ask you this, because he grabs a hold of whatever is covering this particular stack of whatever it is, and there's a middle panel where he's obviously pulling it back, and then he has the exclamation points, and then you get the, the purr, which I think is the automatopoeia for his phone vibrating like he's mm -hmm. receiving a call um, and I couldn't tell based on how it was shown whether that interrupted like kept him from seeing what was under the tarp I don't think he would have left without looking at it though surely if that not. makes sense you know I it's funny the first thing I thought of was that it has to be like a grill like it looks like a grill cover it's <laughs> just hanging out <laughs> down there so I don't know maybe it's something stashed from a knuckle duster like it could be a bunch of his stuff that would make that seems very knuckle dustery yeah. um, for him to have something that was close to where he was spending a lot of time around Koichi's pad. Almost like a go bag or something like that. But it is kind yeah. of weird. I mean, it's just like off into the corner, like someone just left it there. Uh, so I, I'm really interested in seeing what this is. And another thing I kind of noticed was, you know, he's looking at the pegboard where it's very clear that knuckle duster stuff was taken. Right. It, Nobody would know what was missing unless they had been there before. So we're not going to find out what's going on here, I don't think, until either Koichi goes back or Popstep goes back. Or Knuckle Duster just shows up on the scene if it was Knuckle Duster. Which I'm still that's, not entirely convinced that it's him. Yeah, that's still my prevailing theory for now. Um, yeah. And I'm curious about what's under this tarp, primarily because it doesn't seem to be so sensational that Soka reports on it right away. But he also doesn't have much of an opportunity to say anything uh, to Koichi at this particular time because he, the phone call that he receives while he's investigating is to come back to the ho or the uh, the hospital because the cops have arrived, right. uh, Sukauchi, Sansa, and then some some foot soldiers, and they they basically have to shoo Koichi away. So Soga himself has not had the opportunity to talk to. 
Koichi. So it could be something that is sensational, but he just hasn't had the opportunity to say what it is to anybody, really. That's true. That's true. And, you know, thinking on it, I can't imagine that it's something that is knuckle dusters because he would have taken it, I would think. If he came back to get his his uh, brass knuckles, you'd think he would have taken whatever was there. I don't know. Um, but back at the hospital, we've got the cops showing up and even Midnight shows up. And I'm not sure if she is accomplices with the cops, like she came with them or if she walked out of the hospital. It wasn't super clear. Uh, but Koichi's watching from above and Sukuauchi's here and he's saying, hey, as of today, we're going to be in charge of security for this hospital ward. I don't want to hear any complaints from you. And as far as I'm concerned, you are going to cooperate with our investigation. And Soga's really smart about the way he responds here because he says, okay, well, I'm totally cool with you guys beefing up security. Like, that's exactly what I want. I'm, I'm just a civilian. So if the pros want to do their jobs, I'm totally fine with it. But you people took a long time to make this move and a lot slower than I would want. And it's likely that Pop is going to take a long time to recover. Do you have the people and the man hours to devote to something like this? And Sukuachi is immediately like, well... I don't know about that. You know, you can tell he's sweating it. And he, he kind of goes back into that same rhetoric he had that we saw several chapters ago where it's like, look, you guys are great at doing what you do, but things fall through the cracks and those are what you're not good at. And that's where we can come in. Uh, to which Midnight says like, hey, I don't disagree with you, but we have to have each other's backs. We've got to work together or we're never going to be successful. Yeah, and Soga also points out that they're they're definitely continuing to give Pop this villain treatment um, as even as she's in the hospital. You know, they still very much see her as the perpetrator of these crimes. Uh, and they I don't know that they fully have understood that the that she was under compulsion from a force outside of herself that has since been removed, um, you know, that she wasn't directly responsible in the way that maybe they think that that she was. Uh, and so Midnight, you know, butts in, says what you're saying that, you know, we've got to we've got to work together, get this long term plan going. And Sukauchi is just like, listen, this isn't up for debate anymore. I'm here because we have a warrant for Koichi Hamawari, a.k.a. the crawler. All of that is up on the, you know, on the up and up, uh, it wasn't that the little warrant said the crawler like I hoped it might, but, um, and Soga immediately is just like, so you're giving him the villain treatment too. And, and you kind of ha have this, uh, th this almost like good cop, bad cop approach take place over the course of, uh, here and on, uh, through the next chapter two, where Sukauchi seems to be, uh, a little bit more bad copy, uh, as opposed to the way that in, in uh, Genium kind of approaches it with Koichi. Their, their approaches and the, the phrasing feels good cop, bad cop. But here, Sukauchi's he totally like, he's, he's not giving us any choice. And if he continues to just run around operating on his own power, he's going to get into a violent altercation with a real villain. That's going to lead to a battle. And Soga's like, well, you don't think he's prepared for that? And Sukauchi says, no, that's, that's not it at all. I do think that he's prepared for that, and that's a problem. So we need to get him into our custody right now, or we're going to have to take him in by force. You know, I thought this was kind of interesting, too, because he's already encountered real villains. Like, we know he has. Like, sure, he's had his run-of-the-mill silly villains, but, I mean, he's come up against some pretty tough stuff. And I'm not super sure I understand Koichi's approach here. Or, sorry, Sukauchi's, not Koichi, Sukuauchi's. Yeah, like... In my mind, if he is aware that Koichi is in a place that he can take on big villains, why doesn't he sponsor him to get his license? Like, hey, we need Koichi so we can get him licensed so he can do this the right way. That seems like the better approach to this. 
if he really is coming with the intent of let's work together, it makes more sense that he approaches it from that matter than, well, we have to take him into custody because he is a vigilante. Well, just you have the power to fix that, Sukuauchi. Like, do it. You know what I mean? He has struggled with the vigilantes the entire time from like issue one, it feels like. He has. Um, he, is, he has been very clear that they are operating outside of the law, which puts them into direct conflict with him. He has given them a lot of grace because of Mikado. Um, and especially like you talk about Koichi having already rumbled with some big time villains. Sukauchi knows about uh, the crawler's involvement with the, the Tokyo Sky Egg incident because it was him who was like, for his sake and possibly even for his own, we need to redact him, you know, right. um, from from all of that stuff. I remember us discussing that. But I think um, maybe he has sat and, and thought about this, especially with Mikado off the scene, not being a little bit of a foil to Sukauchi, um, as as directly as she she used to be, that he's kind of reached this place where he's seeing. I think we talked about this in the last uh, episode of ours, where he's seeing that what the vigilantes are doing is indicative of some kind of failure in the in-place justice system, right? be it the police and or pro heroes. And he's kind of taken some, he's, he's taken it personally. He and so he slighted. says, okay, yeah. So he's like, we've got to fix this. The way that we fix this is by, you know, eliminating this other, this agency of the vigilantes and, you know, beefing up our own response. And that's kind of where I think he is now. Yeah, I can see that too. That that definitely makes sense. Well, Soga turns around and he tells Moyuru that uh, it's time to call Ko- Koichi for me. And uh, he says he'd better not be sleeping. Give him a wake-up call. And uh, he does. He, he like dials a number and he calls Koichi and Koichi's second phone goes off and he says, oh, wow, you know, it's, it's a wake up call, literally like it's like an alarm clock going off. And he has this flashback where Sogo's telling him, hey, if you hear a wake up alarm ringtone coming from that phone, it means we've got an emergency. And that means you got to haul ass and lie low until I contact you again. So Koichi freaks out, like dives off the building. And then Soga also starts running off. So Sukoauchi is saying he's going to go after Soga, I believe. But Midnight's like, wait, hold on. Your men are here on security detail. You can't just take them with you. Like, you already agreed to guard the hospital, and that's why everyone's cooperating with this. If you take them, then the whole plan falls apart. She she also calls him a, a terrible negotiator, which cracks me up. I liked, too, in the uh, when when Soga tells him to give him a wake-up call. Wake-up call is bolded in the uh, in the text box, and uh, it's just funny. It seems like Sukauchi is aware that something has been bolded. Uh, in yeah. the previous uh, self, because he's like, wake up, call. He's just immediately suspicious of that particular phrase. Um, but yeah, the uh, Sukauchi instead decides to go ahead and make a phone call. And this phone call is placed to Ingenium or Ingenium. Uh, and Sukauchi says the operation is a go. So this is a contingency that they had already planned for, uh, for several different levels, as we'll see. Because uh, Ingenium is like, listen, uh, that means that the talks have broke down and the cold control room deploys him. And the goal of this mission is to capture the high speed villain known as the crawler. And we close this particular chapter with Ingenium being deployed. Uh, and Tomac said that this was like a fire way to kind of end an episode that he was super eager to uh, see where this particular 
panel takes the story next. And I said I had the exact same reaction about the last panel of the very next chapter, chapter 97. Yeah, 97 is really good. But I I have to agree with Tomek here. Like, when I read that, I kind of got the, like, skin bumps. Because when we first started Vigilantes, Koichi's just such a goofy dude that I never once ever believed we would read the the line, the high-speed villain, the crawler. Like, that just... Not something that was ever in my purview. So here we are, and it's just a totally different route than I ever thought this story would take. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's ascended the ranks in more ways than one on both oh, yeah. sides of the law, it seems like. You know, right. risen <laughs> as a pro and also, or as a pro hero and then also as a villain. Yep, yep. Well, we start 97 right off with Koichi like dashing through a handful of alleyways here. And it's funny because there's like a couple standing there talking and they get startled and, and someone says, what was that? And the, the woman says, was that a giant cockroach? And we get our introduction of 97, which is titled Pursuers. And it's Koichi saying, no, it's him. You know, the one Naruhata's creepy crawly guy. So they, or it's not Koichi saying that, but it's someone saying that. And uh, it's like just going back to our roots here where they introduce him in a great way. Yeah. And I'd never really thought about it, but when he is on all fours, like he is the uh, all might uh, Pidgeot little feather flare hair things do definitely look like antennas, especially if he's zipping by at super high speeds, right? Oh yeah. He would definitely look like a little cockroach going by. Yeah. And he even tends to zigzag a lot when, while he's traversing, which is very cockroachy. True. True. Well, he has shaken the police off of his tail, and he's gotten fairly far from the hospital, he says, uh, but he's saying that he's got to sneak back there without getting caught, which I thought was kind of weird, because Soga told him to lay low and wait to be contacted, so I don't feel like going back to the hospital would be in that plan, but I, I don't know, maybe it is, maybe he's got to stay there to, to watch over Pop, and that's the way he sees it, uh, but before he can really think too much further than that, and Gideon shows right up and is like, hey, the crawler, uh, you're moving really fast. You got to slow down at once. And and he's taking that good guy cop approach that you talked about where he's like, hey, I know what's going on with you. And I really want to talk it over. Please stop. Like, we're here to help. You know, we can protect you and, and the one you care about. Let us do that for you. Uh, but Koichi is not about it at all. He says, and Gideon, sir, once pop is all better, I'll go to the police. But for now... And he takes off. And we get this really cool scene here where we see this, again, another level up of his powers. And I think it was Tomek in the the uh, Discord that pointed out how difficult this maneuver would have been for him just a several months ago, where he's on all fours. He like pops up and does a 180 with a hand and a foot on this like tr- truck and then pushes off of it and dashes in a completely different direction. I mean, it's it really is an incredible feat for him. Yeah, and he kind of switches modes, right? Because when Ingenium is running beside him, he's in slide and glide mode. But when he pulls that 180 uh, in that leap onto the truck, he turns back into suction mode in a in a in what had to have been a split second. Yeah. Uh, and so he's he's shifting modes, so to speak. Um, and he's, he's displaying a real fine tuning of his application of powers. And what's even cooler, not only is that you know, Ingenium realizes this, that he's obviously made some improvements over time, which makes some sense. Um, but he's performing these maneuvers in front of the guy who had to be there to help Koichi learn one of his first lessons in how to better apply his quirk. You remember oh, yeah. when he was trying to figure out how to turn more quickly or how to stop, I think was the actual thing. And Ingenium was the one that was like, well, if it's all about, you know, stopping, then just try going in the 
opposite direction that you're traveling in with your quirk and that kind of blew Koichi's mind. So that was one of the first lessons Koichi got as far as like leveling up the application of his powers. And now that that teacher of way back when is seeing, you know, wholly new applications that uh, Ingenium had not seen before. And he's kind of wowed by this. And he's totally. I mean, he's respectful of it. He's like, dude, he's he's leveled up, man. And that's cool. Yeah, I get the feeling that this is going to be a handful of chapters of us seeing the pupil surpass the master. You know, we we see it with Ingenium here. I'm hoping to see it again with Aizawa in the next chapter, maybe. And who knows, maybe even Knuckle Duster will show back up in some form or fashion. And Koichi will get to show off in front of him. Like, we're getting to see our boy level up, and it's so cool. Yeah, the action is kind of interrupted a little bit with a bit of a flashback where Koichi's trying to wrap his mind around his role while... Uh, Pop is in the hospital still as he's sitting atop this rooftop. And Soga's just saying, listen, the guy that we're up against wormed his way into the police station already. So, of course, he could exploit the gaps in their cruddy security. So we can't trust the cops. We can't really trust the heroes because they could have infiltrated that front as well. So it's our job to guard those gaps from the outside. We're better off not being a part of these cops' plans. And you need to stay free so that in the event that we need you here at Pop's side, that you can just be there. Even with the cops on your tail, even with heroes gunning for you, all you got to focus on is protecting Pop from the shadows. Right. And Koichi is heading into Naruhata proper. We're back in the action, and this is Ingenium thinking that, and it's him, like, trying to get on his own turf. Like, he... Like, Koichi is going to know this area better than almost anyone. It's it's literally where he has spent all of his time and developed his powers. And Ingenium is very honest. He says, you know, that's what we anticipated. And his whole crew is there waiting for him down one particular alley. And uh, he tells him, like, hey, the crawler has entered the capture zone, second team deploying. And, and we do see his entire team. And they try to corner Koichi, but he takes up straight vertical, like, just goes right into the air. And, and this is another time where Ingenium is just like, whoa, that's awesome. Like, I, I didn't expect him to do that. And he, I think his, he says adding verticality like that, his moves, the crawler might be too much for Team Ida 10 to handle. Yeah, that's, a, that's such a cool line. It is. He's, this is a pro hero with several sidekicks, like dozens, I think, maybe hundreds. Is he this has, the one that has he hundreds? He has more sidekicks than anyone else in, out there in the game, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, and so he's he's realizing, man, this this is more than my team can handle, and that is a mad level of respect from a pro hero. Well, Koichi does get taken out, kind of, uh, by the spiral spear hand or a special move from Ed Shot, and him and our buddy uh, Best Genus are, are up on the the corresponding building here, and they're trying to take out Koichi, trying to help out. Um, and it's it's pretty nuts. Like Best Genus's power is just so incredible, and he he takes Koichi's jacket to like basically bound him and keep him from being able to move and constrict him. But turns out it doesn't work quite well for him. Yeah, and there's a really interesting conversation here because Best Genus knows very well what Koichi's role was in the Sky Egg disaster. So there's he's got again got a certain level of respect from this person who is trying to seize him like bring him in for one for any reason doesn't matter if it's because they want to arrest him or because to protect him best genist and ed shot are there to to do that and and he's explaining we've been informed of your situation we're sorry about the girl and we know you we want you want to protect her and yourself and that's what we want to do and uh he kind of takes offense best genist does because he says it, it's kind of come to our attention 
that you doubt the efficacy even of us pro heroes. And that's kind of a big shame to us. So let us win back your trust by showing you what we're actually capable of. Yeah. And Koichi's like, um, that's all right. Jeez. So polite. I love the way he's interacting with these pro heroes. It, it cracks me up. He's a little awestruck. I mean, he's he's never been, I mean, outside of kind of his encounter with Endeavor, he's never been the target of pro heroes, you know? That's true. He's worked alongside of one or two, really, Midnight and Aizawa. Um, and Endeavor wasn't really after Koichi. He was after uh, B-Pop. And Koichi just happened to be in 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 the vicinity, right? Right, that's um, true. And so he's he's you know if you're Koichi, you got to be thinking, what you know is this is this the the product? Is this the result of what I've done? Is is this the kind of villain that I am? That legitimate high ranking even pro heroes are on my case because you're talking. I mean, like right now, as far as like my hero rankings go now, I think best genius and well. There, the in prior rankings, Best Genus and Edshot were like top five heroes. Yeah, they were up I think there. Best, yeah, I think Best Genus has fallen off because you know he's presumably dead right now. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> All might a... used to be number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, once Best Genus has got him all wrapped up, he's he's basically turned his he's basically turned sweatshirt. his all might sweatshirt into a straight jacket and koichi's on the ground but he's able to use his powers still which i don't think best genus was aware of because uh, he seemed kind of surprised by it and even he says like wow and em- pulling his slide and glide even while bound ed shot says that's totally reckless uh, and koichi does pull a pretty reckless move here he just flies off the side of a building uh, but both of them use some pretty cool special moves, the uh, catching cradle and the Ninpo fish hook snag to capture Koichi back like they grab onto his, uh, his sweater top and Koichi's able to just blast right out. I mean, it's his powers are kind of perfect for this scenario, I want to say. They're, he's definitely using them to their to their greatest capabilities here. Um, it does. It did kind of give me the the idea that He's like a teenage girl nowadays where like they should be wearing a small sweatshirt, but for some reason he's ordered it in like 4XL uh, <laughs> yeah. because he's just able to blast out of the neck of this thing. But I th- I think that Best Genius changed the nature of that sweatshirt when he used it as a bit of a straight jacket earlier. I think he did too, yeah. Uh, and Best Genius admits that like he's completely evaded them and he says he's more capable than we expected. And then he kind of corrects himself. So he says, well, rather I suppose we misjudged his sheer resolve. Uh, which I thought was kind of a good way of putting it. It's not that they've, you know, overest or underestimated him as much as it's just this guy really, really wants to do what he's doing, and that's hard to stop. Did you notice the way that Ed Shot is depicted running uh, in this last panel that he's in in this chapter, like with his arms crossed? Who does that? Mm. Who runs like that? Ed Shot. Do you does. see that? Yeah, I do. I do see Apparently. that. Apparently. That's yeah. such an awkward way to run. That is kind of, but I almost wonder if they're trying to do like the opposite of Naruto or something. Of a Naruto run? Yeah. That's exactly what I thought too. Yeah. Cause if, if they made him Naruto run, it would just be too hand and fist. Is that the saying? Hand and fist? That would be too ham fisted, I think is what you're looking for. Hey, I make stuff up all um, the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the direct opposite of a Naruto run would be him running with his arms just straight out in front of him like he's Superman flying, but while he's running. Oh, that would be funny. Yeah. Yeah. I also still don't like that he says Ninpo before he does stuff. Like, he's not doing any kind of ninja magic at all. It's just his quirk. I mean, it's definitely on theme for him. 
but it's still a strange quirk of his personality and the way that he's developed his persona as a pro hero to me. And it's all about the illusion. I yeah, I guess. But Koichi, now Best Genus and Edshot are still in pursuit of Koichi, but he does manage to evade them as well. Um, and he realizes that the sirens that he's hearing are kind of further and further off in the distance. Uh, and he's still got uh, in mind that he's got to get back to the hospital. Um, but while he's running down an alley, a voice speaks and says, there's not much daylight left, so you gave the others a slip, but I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, they may be top-notch pros, but those surface dwellers aren't equipped for the likes of you. And I don't know what Aizawa means by surface dwellers. Did you have a take on that? I think he just means like heroes that are always kind of like in the limelight, you know? I mean, Aizawa is kind of one of those heroes that strikes me as the the kind of guy to do the dirty work or to kind of be in those dark alleys waiting for the villains. Whereas Edshot and, and best genus are going to be the guys out in the open. They're, they're going to be in the high profile situations. They're not dealing with the kind of nitty gritty things. If that makes sense. This is a high profile yeah. case now, which is why they're on it, but they wouldn't have been if it was just any regular Joe Schmo. Yeah, that's fair. That makes a lot of sense of kind of the end of his monologue because he says this this place, Naruhata, is a hotbed of crime, the domain of villainy. In other words, it's my hunting grounds. Uh, and he looks ominous um, as he stands up and he says, get it, crawler. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I had made a prediction in the last episode that Aizawa got a phone call from Sukauchi to either help bring him in or tip him off. Um, I still don't know which one of those two sides of the coins we're about to be treated to, though. I mean, I think it could swing either way. I, I think I could see that, too, because I could see Aizawa being the kind of guy to want to lend a hand and understand the situation a little bit. Yeah, so I'm super excited for uh, chapters 98 and 99, uh, which we will cover in two weeks. But af uh, as we close down this particular episode, I had this idea. I wish I'd had it earlier in the week, um, but to be honest, I've had kind of uh, a hectic personal life in the last week. So I only got to read these uh, last night and had this idea only this morning. Uh, but we see Koichi is being pursued by a handful of legit pro heroes now, several more than three. But I put this question both to our Discord and to our Twitter and said, okay, listen, if, if you are going to be pursued by three current pro heroes, so uh, excluding All Might and excluding uh, current students, who would you least want after you to bring you in and why. And I thought it would be fun to share some of those examples. And then at the end of the examples that we curated from Discord and the Twitter, Adam and I will share our own lists. So uh, from Discord, we had Ness, longtime friend of the podcast, um, short time fan of my hero, but man, he caught up in a heartbeat no and joke. is way deep into it now. <laughs> His evolution of fandom for this particular franchise has been really fun to watch. Uh, so here are his three heroes that he would least want on his trail uh, and why. So he's his number one was Endeavor. And he says because Endeavor is brutal and relentless when it comes to whooping ass. Um, he didn't want Aizawa running after him either because Aizawa has court canceling, which is devastating uh, and that can easily give the upper hand to the heroes. And he also listed Selkie. Um, oh, that's he an said, interesting one. Yeah, he said, I don't think I can deal with his damn kawaii face. <laughs> <laughs> it's not cute. And I thought that this was interesting. The three folks that uh, gave us submissions from the Discord all assumed that they had quirks um, because Aizawa shows up on two of those lists, assuming 
that they would have quirks, uh, the submitters, so Ness, Tomac, and Busta would have their quirks deactivated by Aizawa. So I thought that that was interesting. It wasn't a necessary part of the uh, assignment to imagine yourself as a quirked vigilante, but uh, Ness and Tomac did for sure. Ness initially also, I thought that this would be funny to share too, Ness misunderstood the assignment at first. He thought that I had said, who would you most want to be pursued by? And knowing Ness, like after he caught himself, I said, okay, listen, you can't say that you want to be chased by midnight, 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 um, because it feels like a very Ness thing to say. Um, And he said midnight was only one of his slots. And I said, okay, well, then Mount Lady, Bubble Girl, Mirko, who's filling out, you know, the other three. And what he submitted was this, which I thought was a genius list. He said midnight for obvious reasons. Uh, and then he said, wash, so I could at least kick someone's ass. <laughs> I want to know <laughs> what Quirk Ness gun. thinks he's got in this scenario. Because <laughs> wash yeah, is supposed to be really good. Maybe maybe Ness just thinks unquirked he's got a good chance against a anthropomorphic washing machine. I'm could not be. sure. Um, and then his third person was fat gum, because I know we're going to stop for takeout before he brings me into jail. I love Which I that. thought was great. Yeah, that's that great. And that so does good. feel like a fat gum thing to do. Like, I don't know if, if you or any of our listeners ever watched Dog the Bounty Hunter, but there's this thing he would do where he would, like, go after his, his bounty or whatever and pick him up. And then after everything's all said and done, he, like, offers the guy his last cigarette and, like, wants to pray with him and talk about how to correct his life. And I could totally see fat gum doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, he's always stopping to eat. If he had to expend his quirk to stop you, he's going to get some takoyaki on the way uh, totally. back to the station for yep. sure. Yep. So Tom Mack's list was uh, Endeavor. He says, number one hero and a quirk that I imagine fairly few people can actually counter because it's literal fire. Uh, he had Mirko on his list, and sh- he said that it was because that she is crazy and violent and would not want her on my tail. And then lastly, he also said, Aizawa, he can cancel your quirk which is a game breaker, and he is no slouch in hand-to-hand combat. Busta went so far as to, like, tell me what his quirk was. I think he'd mentioned this previously in the Discord, that he had come up with, like, an interesting idea for a quirk called No Pain, which basically makes him, like, kind of like a Hulk, where the more pain he experiences, the stronger he gets. Huh, okay. Um, So he also put a racer head on his list because it would cancel that quirk which would be a, a bummer. Um, Fat Gum was on his list as well. It's crazy to think, but that guy can take a beating and then give it back. Uh, and then he said, Ed shot because his power is kind of gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, and he said he didn't list Endeavor specifically because uh, with his particular quirk, this no pain quirk, uh, his fighting style uh, is actually a fairly decent counter to uh, Endeavor's. I mean, I suppose that's true so long as you can survive all that pain that Endeavor yeah. inflicts upon you. Because I feel like that kind of quirk would almost be multiple quirks. For it to be effective, you'd also have to be able to either regenerate or not take damage, which in of itself is yeah. an additional quirk. But I like Experience it. pain without taking damage? Yeah, I mean... That would have to be yeah, yeah. how that would work. But I, I dig that. That's cool. I was actually going to say, I, I challenge all of our listeners that imagine the scenario with a quirk. Let us know what your quirk was. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, we actually have a new idea from Busta himself for uh, a fun little segment for our 100th episode. Uh, his idea is basically we take name submissions for quirks from people in the in the community that listen, and then Adam and I have to figure out what 
a quirk would be that had that name and figure out what it does, you know, what its physical uh, consequences are, that kind of thing. So that might be a fun thing that we get into uh, for episode 100. So stay tuned for more information about that. Um, getting into the two Twitter submissions that we had before getting to Adam's list and then my own. We had at Rumi's Art Pop on Twitter uh, submit their list. Endeavor shows up on their list as well. Uh, and they said, I cannot deal with his attitude and mood. <laughs> uh, Hawks was on their list because I feel like he gives off snake energy. And I actually asked them about that. What did you mean? Uh, because I assumed that I understood what they meant, but I didn't want to assume and, and they were just like, he just feels like a snake in the grass, like a traitor. Um, and they don't they don't want anything to do with hogs. And then uh, Kamui Woods was the third entry on their list because I feel like he'd make me itch, which I think is a reasonable complaint against oh, a, yeah. a plant man. Can you imagine all the small splinters you'd get if he picked you up? Well, that's a good uh, segue into at Hero Notes pod submission because <laughs> his number one is Kamui Woods. And the reason is because too many splinters. Oh, I didn't even <laughs> see that Twitter post. Now I feel bad. Yep. And then uh, they rounded out their list with Best Genist and Cementos, both for the exact same reason. And I quote, he would ruin my jacket. And so I just tweeted <laughs> back at them and said, you must have one kick-ass jacket, man. They must, yeah. <laughs> You're very concerned about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I imagine that that's got to be a concern for Koichi. He had that like All Might jacket collection and now at near... I guess when we last kind of checked in with him, really, he was complaining about being low on jackets, wasn't he? Yeah, we've, I mean, we've seen several of them ruined, right? Yeah. Like Christopher Skyline autographed one. Um, <laughs> Best Genus just ruined one. Yep. Uh, I'm sure that we've seen some others get torn up in the process. Oh, yeah. Although I like to think that he now cherishes that Captain Celebrity jacket. Oh, yeah. Now now that he isn't the big D-bag that he was back when he initially signed that yeah. particular Man, one. <laughs> I, there are still times when I can't believe we wanted him dead. We were both so convinced. We were like, yeah, I hope Stain kills Captain Celebrity. <laughs> I still think, I, I mean, until he had his turn, I still think Stain would have. Like, yeah, he would have. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris, Christopher Skyline lived long enough to to become a hero that I think might have avoided the ire of Stain. But like initially on first impression, heck no. Like if he had been his old version of Christopher Skyline for very long in Japan, Stain would have been all over that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let me get into well, my What list. about you? Yeah, so uh, obviously first up, I think everyone's going to know this one, Gang Orca. If that guy was coming at me at all, I'd just lay down and die and just give it up. Like, no way, I'm not dealing with that. I, The idea of a whale chasing me terrifies me as it is. So not doing <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, the second one may actually surprise you. I, and, I, and it may be a bit of a cheat, but I think it works. Um, I'm going to say the wild, wild pussycats because you're not getting away. Like the way that oh. that team is, is configured, you are not getting away. There's just no chance. Uh, so that's I, fair. I thought that was a really, really like, oh, man. Uh, the third one is going to be Ed Shot as well. You know, we're not seeing it in Vigilantes, but the his with that quirk, I mean, he wouldn't really even have to chase you if he didn't want to. He could just literally take out your Achilles heels with paper cuts. No thank yes. you. Yes. I don't want Ed Shot near me, period. Like that guy's quirk terrifies me. It's pretty freaky. And, you know, I was looking at the wiki page. Uh, for him and there's like a gif or or a yeah it's a gif here of him nailing a nomu f through the back of the head with like one of his scarves or something and i'm like yeah no thank you don't want that at all 
Um, 100% agree. Yeah. Now, I did have a couple of runner-ups that I wanted to, to bring up. Initially, I was thinking Sir Nighteye, uh, simply because he'd be hard to get away from. But then my thought was, well, the likelihood of him ever actually having looked in my eyes to activate his quirk is very low. So I don't think he would ever actually be the one coming right after me. Uh, the second one that I had was Knuckle Duster, but he's not really a pro hero, and I'm not that scared of O'Clock. So it would be Knuckle Duster, because he's much more violent than O'Clock seemed to be. Yeah, I would say, man, Sir Nighteye, I mean, a human reflex is to make eye contact with somebody who is in front of you, you know, especially if you're surprised to buy them. So if he could figure out a way to spring out in front of you, you're done. Yeah. Like, that's it's game over. But his quirk is so situational that it would be, I feel like if you were aware of his quirk, it would be difficult for him to catch you off guard, perhaps, compared to the other guys that are just like going to get you. Uh, now, interestingly enough, a lot of folks said they didn't want Endeavor coming after them. But in my mind, if someone's coming after me and I know that I'm likely not getting away, I'd almost rather it be Endeavor because it's going to be like one hit KO. You're out. There's no thought process. You're not running. You're not getting away. You may not even live. It's just done. Like, you don't have to worry about it. You know you're getting taken care of, you know? Yeah, see, I put Endeavor on my list as well, and I assumed he would be on many. And my reasoning is because he's an angry, violent, and effective man. But even if he's overcoming the first two and becoming less angry and less violence, the efficacy means that I don't have much of a chance of getting away. Right. So, like, I either end up dead because he's still angry and violent, or I end up captured. And I think this whole thing is, like, uh, you know, the way that I approached it wasn't that I had a quirk, but could I get away with Endeavor on the case? No, no, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna like, so I, I take the opposite position from you, but for a similar reason, if that makes <laughs> sure, sense. Totally. Well, and for the similar reason that you put gang orca on your list, I have centipede on mine because I think centipedes are one of the scariest things on this planet. And I can't imagine getting grabbed by like the giant centipede, which grows to just over a foot long. Centipeder is freaking six foot eight. Yeah. Like I would literally soil myself and pass out if I ever saw him in real life. Yeah. He's freaky looking in general too. Like he just on premise, that guy is scary looking. I think just the thought of all of those legs, like grasping on wrapping me up. I have, I want no, not even an imaginatory experience of that. I, like, bet, I want nothing with that. I bet he gives good back scratches. Ugh, gross. Stop <laughs> it. I also think I put, is imaginatory a word or did I just add them? I think you just add them, but that's okay. We accept I might that have. Here. That's right. This is a safe space for Adams. <laughs> um, and then I also put Edshot on mine. Oh, so did I you? agree okay. with yeah, oh God, yeah. yeah. I I remember when uh when they stormed the uh when they did the raid on the hideout that I talked about how his quirk might be the new scariest one in uh, in the entire franchise. Like right. death by a thousand paper cuts is frightening. And uh, I also went back to the wiki and he's got a super move called Thousand Sheep Pierce where it says that he flattens and twists himself into a pointed string and then pierces his opponent before cutting off their blood flow and knocking them unconscious. So, yeah, I don't want any part of that no, at you. all. Not at all. <laughs> you know, I actually initially thought one of mine would be ectoplasm, but then after kind of looking into his quirk, I'm like, I feel like you would have decent chances of getting away from him potentially, depending on your quirk. Because he just clones he just himself. Looks scary. He just looks scary. Yeah. So I almost put gang orca on my list. He would definitely be like my number four because that dude is frightening. He is frightening. Like and just he's got persona. a ton of henchmen. Right. Right. Yeah. 
but that was a really, really good segment. I really that like kudos to you, man. I like that one a lot. Well, and if you're listening to this and you didn't participate in time for us uh, to shout your submissions uh, out on this particular episode, that's mostly my fault because I didn't post it until the day of uh, the recording. But you can still participate. Jump into the Discord and let us know what your uh, team of three would be or who you would least like them to be more properly, uh, or hit us up on Twitter and do the same. And we might uh, continue sharing these as they're trickling in. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, these are a lot of fun. So I would definitely love to. Well, like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you need something for next Monday, be sure to check out Kyo Cinema. We're going to be covering the uh, Cooler movie, the first Dragon Ball Z Cooler movie. I'm excited for it. Not, not the only one, but the first one. Not the only, the first. Yep. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you in two weeks for more of the AMP. See you guys then. Uh, well, Soka turns around and he tells Mo, you're boy. Ah. I don't know why I can't say this guy's name tonight. <laughs> Soga turns around and he, he tells uh, Moyo Moy oh my gosh. Moyuru. 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 <laughs> we gotta practice this one.